Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. If they can do this, I should try to do this too. I was pretty successful in this, I would say. And then I realized that you never know what you're capable of until you start trying. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jaffarle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail. Do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? Today's personal spot is about looking cool versus actually feeling and being cool. It's funny, I live in Los Angeles and in Los Angeles we all have to we all have to show up in a certain way or at least it feels like we have this pressure in society that we have to show up in a certain way. By the way, I'm walking by the skate park, so if you hear a bunch of sounds like tennis courts and skateboards, that's what it is. It's interesting because just because a person has a lot of things or has the, you know, photoshopped Instagram perfect life doesn't actually mean that we feel fulfilled and content on the inside. And what is success really? Is it how it appears or is it how we feel in private when no one's looking? And I know that I want the kind of success where it's how I feel in private when no one's looking. And it's hard to like let go of getting caught up, at least in LA, of I don't drive the coolest car like other people. You know, everyone in LA in tech now has a Tesla. I don't even want a Tesla, you know? <laughs> and it's weird to not feel like I'm going to be perceived as less than because I don't want these things. And I'm not saying that everybody that has these things doesn't enjoy them. They probably really enjoy them. I just mean the concept of having things just for the sake of having them rather than them actually bringing fulfillment to their lives. Like if I went off and bought the car, even though I didn't want the car, right? I think a lot of people in Los Angeles do that. They, they get the thing just to look a certain way, but they still feel like they go home with themselves and, you know, don't, don't feel vibrant. And so I'm just like really challenging myself 
to like let go of the pressure I feel because even though I don't give in to the pressure, I feel it all the time. I feel like, oh man, like I got to be a certain way because of this and that. And, um, just, I even talk about it in therapy. Now I'm talking about it with you on this personal spot, but I just think it's so important. We let all that go. We let all of it go looking a certain type of way online or out and about just fucking be human you know and just lean into being human and being ourselves and and forming real connections based on I mean is that okay I know like business gets done when you portray confidence and friendships gets made when you are the most enjoyable person to be around or even yesterday I heard that that's how you attract someone you know it's just I don't know I just I just want to be me and just my real self and have people in my life that just appreciate and want to be around me for being me I don't know a bit a bit of a a rant or I don't know what that is but <laughs> I don't know can you relate let me know all right Enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women around the world. So excited for our next guest, Anna, coming at us from Florida. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you here. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Anna Chen Yuntai. I am a CEO and founder of Episcore. So we're the company that uh, have developed the proprietary robotics technology to 3D print full-scale concrete houses or any other buildings. So the process is kind of pretty the same as the plastic 3D printing, but we use the bigger machines. And instead of plastic, we use durable, strong concrete-like material and layer by layer, we basically 3D print the desired shape of a building directly on site. I mean, you even 3D printed uh, an entire huge building in Dubai. Yes, exactly. So the, that actually the one of the most landmark projects we completed so far. So it was built in the desert, uh, in Dubai desert, and it's a huge, beautiful administrative building, two-story. And so today it's uh, the Guinness World Record at the largest 3D printed building ever constructed on Earth. I mean, what does it mean to print a building? <laughs> like, what does that even oh. mean? This is a great, great question, because basically the technology is to robotically create the walls of the building as of today. And then the roof, windows, uh, finishing, electrical, plumbing, everything basically done in a traditional way. So the, when we say 3D print the, the house, that means that only walls uh, are 3D printed or robotically built with the machine precision. What's the entire process after that? How do we end up seeing a building? So basically, yeah, if we, I can tell you from the how the process looks from the beginning. So first, you need to build the concrete slab. You know, it's kind of like a foundation where the the house uh, supposed to sit on. So once you have the uh, concrete slab built traditionally, then 
you bring our robot to the uh, on that uh, concrete slab and to bring the robot our specifically robot you just need to have a pickup truck and flatbed trailer and just one driver like me for example and then you use the joystick and our robot basically wheels to the concrete slab and then start printing the, the walls, you know, layer by layer, layer by, by layer. And the walls, they can be 3D printed in a matter of uh, five, six days. So basically, in five, six days, of course, depending on the size of the building, on the design, you basically have the, 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 the shell of a house, the walls, right? And it's pretty critical because no walls equals no house right you don't have anything where you need to put the the roof on or like a windows to install so basically the technology is to create the walls and then you can basically remove the robot from the construction site and then that traditional crew uh subcontractors they come in and start start installing the the roof the windows and all of the other parts of the building. As we're talking, I'm sure you're super curious. So to check out Anna's website, go to apis-cor.com. That's apis-cor.com. So when did you first become interested in this, Anna? Like, it's so intense. (laughs) It's so different intense. (laughs) How did you even become intrigued by this? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's true. It's not something that like uh, you wake up someday and say like, "Oh, I'm going to through the print homes." Right? <laughs> it's not something like that. <laughs> that would be very interesting, you know. <laughs> so, but basically, uh, I would say that uh, my journey started uh, not with the construction. I studied space physics first, and the way I got there is that uh, my mom and my grandmother they were entrepreneurs. And I basically really grew up with them. And I all the time was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I just want to be as cool as there. Uh, and, but I didn't know what exactly I'm going to do. So I was like, okay, uh, next uh, five years uh, of studying at university, I'm going to spend my time on studying something really inspiring, interesting, and fundamental. So this is how I ended up uh, studying space physics. And so basically then uh, on the last year of my uh, university time, I met my future co-founder of Episcore. And by that time, he was basically running a company uh, related to the construction and industrial machinery. And so we ended up uh, getting the very massive project for Olympic Games in 2014. So we, yeah, that was very massive. And I was like a 21, 22, I don't remember. Oh, so it was like a, <laughs> it was like a six, $6 million or something like that a contract that we basically got. It was the uh, first time when uh, the system transitioned to the electronic contracts, you know, so basically everyone could participate and start bidding for the government contracts. So we just got this contract. And the, the task was to develop, design, fabricate, and deploy about 5,000 navigation signages for the uh, ground navigation system. So basically, we were responsible for 
million of visitors not to get lost <laughs> on the infrastructure of Olympic Games. So basically signages, they saying like a ATM is there, Olympic Stadium is there. So, you know, it's really like how to navigate million of people uh, among the uh, really complex infrastructure of Olympic Games. And that time, we basically saw how outdated the construction industry was. Because we were really very close to the, all of the construction processes because we had to deploy our signages on the, uh, for example, stadium or village uh, or something like that. And most of the time, the construction was not ready by the time we were ready to deploy the signages. So we all the time had to play around the schedule, really rearrange everything just because the construction was relying and still relying on the uh, very expensive and uh, not really available skilled labor. And so basically after that experience, we successfully delivered our uh, project, but then we just realized that that should be the room for the in the construction industry to introduce automation. So we can reduce the reliance on the skilled labor, which again, it's not really available. There is a huge shortage of skilled labor worldwide. And this is why basically we have the construction industry as a, one of the, with the lowest uh, rate of productivity, you know? So yeah, this is basically how we got to this um, idea of the 3D printed homes. I'm dying of curiosity. How did you end up in Florida? Let's 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 jump forward for a second. How in the world did you end up in Florida? And then I'll go back to my other question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I was born in Siberia. So it's really far away. So in 2018, me and my co-founder, Nick, we just... And it was all the time our dream and uh, goal to be and live in the United States because... Uh, that's not a secret that the United States is the country of the possibilities and all of the great technologies and disruptive technologies. They are born here and developed here and basically got su successful here. So we saw that what we created, it really has to be in the United States and we want it to be in the United States. So first we end up um, in Boston, Massachusetts. We were residents of Autodesk Technology Center because we were doing that time NASA competition called 3D Printed Habitat Challenge. Uh, it was dedicated to autonomous construction robotics technologies that someday can be deployed on Moon and Mars to autonomously build shelters for first to arrive. And so we basically uh, won all of the levels that we participated in. And Autodesk Technology Center, they were so uh, awesome in helping us with providing all of the tools and, uh, you know, hosting us and our big robot there. And so we have been there for almost three years. And then the uh, pandemic started. And we just started thinking that, oh, uh, maybe you move to California because, you know, Silicon Valley, all of this dream and uh, uh, notion about the Silicon Valley. But COVID shown that California probably not at the best place at that time. And then one of our key team member, he actually grew up in uh, Space Coast in Florida. And he was like, oh, do you know anything about Space Coast? And we were like, actually, no. And he started telling us about how, how great the place is. And then he said that actually Cape Canaveral here, NASA, 
uh, center. And I was like, wow, that's so cool because I studied space physics. And I was like, uh, that would be so inspiring, you know? And then we also knew that Florida is our main market because we 3D print houses that structurally the same as concrete block houses. And Florida and basically southern states present the massive part of the single-family concrete block houses, uh, housing construction. So this is how we basically made our decision. <laughs> you know, we trusted our key, uh, key team member. We trusted our beliefs. And, uh, you know, Florida also is a very shiny <laughs> and very um, good place to live, you know. The climate wise. Totally. I, I mentioned before we started recording, <laughs> I used to live in uh, Fort Lauderdale. I hadn't heard of the area that you're in in Florida. It's very inspiring that you're even in this world. So when did you first become interested in just technology, not necessarily 3D printing, just technology itself? I almost was really inclined to something really practical, I would say. So but realistically speaking, when I met my co-founder, Nick, he was so really into technologies. He already, he was a, a very extensive experience in robotics. So he had a lot of like a different CNC machines. He could build anything <laughs> out of everything, you know? And I think that was really first time when I got really interested in the technologies. And he told me about like all of the advanced technologies in the world, all of the materials. So he's really into technologies. So I would say that, yeah, really um, my, the fact that I met Anik and my future co-founder, current co-founder of Episcore, he was really like the big influencer to me to start looking at the technologies and see how many of them in the world today. And where is your company today? Like, where is it today? And where do you see it going in the future? You're already doing impressive things, 3D printing buildings in Dubai that are so, I, I can't even believe that. Where? So how large is your team? Have you raised money? What is the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we, at that moment, we actually are raising money. So we have been qualified by SEC, uh, Security Exchange Commission of the United States, to sell uh, the shares of our company to the public. So basically, everyone can buy our shares. It's not IPO, but it's basically like the regulated by SEC crowdfunding. So with the little of $1,000, you can buy shares in, of, of, of our company. And so the goal of the fundraising today is basically to expand our uh, manufacturing capabilities and facilitate the growth of the business in the United States. Because we already completed kind of like the fundamental research and development and product development. So now we are... Uh, preparing for the stage when we go in to build more houses, sorry, 3D print more houses, getting more customers and early adopters. And the demand is so insane because, you know, the uh, housing shortage, uh, the prices for the houses in the United States and worldwide is crazy. So, yeah, basically right now we are preparing for the uh, exciting times of really growing the company. And uh, today we're pretty a pretty small team of 10 people. And 
yeah, working hard to raise money and expand our capabilities. So we usually hear about IPOs or NFTs when it comes to owning a piece of the original, but you used a different route. Can you tell us more about that, how you discovered it and and why you chose to go that pathway? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what we're doing right now, it's a regulation A+. It's the special exemption by SEC that actually was um, introduced by Barack Obama. Uh, so the idea is that to have the opportunity to invest in the early startups, uh, like a Google, for example, right? So back like uh, 20 years ago. So opportunities like that would be available not only for people with their deep pockets or like a VCs or like a business deals kind of like behind the closed doors, but for everyone, right? So the uh, for the accredited and non-accredited investors. So Regulation A+, plus basically to get qualified, you really need to go through the pretty thorough process, be qualified by SEC, meaning that you have to prepare the audited financials, have a, a lot of disclosures, basically comply with the law. So we, what we did successfully, and now we basically offer the shares to everyone. And you can just go to our website, click invest now, submit the uh, application, and then the broker dealer uh, look at your application, make sure that you're a real person and you can invest money like a, not more than 10% of your annual uh, net worth. And then basically you receive the, the shares of our company and Regulation A Plus uh, became very popular uh, tool for a lot of companies. So um, it's a basically like alternative way to raise money compared to like institutional or VCs, right? It's kind of different. And we saw that it was pretty successful direction for a lot of companies because you you have more flexible terms as a company. And we saw that a lot of people wanted to buy our shares. One of the uh, Google uh, search was like uh, Episcore shares. <laughs> and we have been asked by people for years, like, uh, please let us know when you become public, we want to buy your, your, your shares. So we just decided that it may be a better uh, path for our company doing the regulation A+. And where did you set this up? How did you go about learning how to set this up? So I think... It just, I don't remember. It was the idea maybe even like three years ago that came up to us. And then we just keep believing in this. And last year we just, you know, put together all of the vendors, legal team, and saw that uh, Regulation A Plus even became more successful for other companies. We we are the, the uh, part of the Alchemist Accelerator program. So we've been there in 2020. So Alchemist Accelerator is the one of the top uh, startup accelerators in Silicon Valley. And another company from the previous classes, they successfully completed Regulation A+. And we were like, oh, that's really happening. So it was uh, one of the other parts of the inspiration for us, uh, kind of like uh, ex- exchanging the experience. And uh, yeah, we just uh, kept pursuing this idea and uh, uh, finally uh, implemented it because the process is very thorough. So it's pretty expensive. It takes like a three to six months. Uh, you need to comply with the laws and everything. How important was it in your success so far to be a part of an accelerator? Oh, that was uh, 
I would say it was absolutely important. <laughs> it was really basically defined a lot of um, successful decisions and basically directions that our company and uh, we as a team or personally me decide, decided to go. So Alchemist Accelerator, I really lo love them. And uh, so they provide you a lot of, uh, basically the first very important thing is the infrastructure. So you have access to mentors, to even investors, right? You can just pitch every day to investors in their network. And, uh, but the other thing, it was the education and inspiration. So when I was in the, uh, when we were in Alchemist Accelerator program, we started raising money and it, it's just something that I, I never did before. Just basically like you go to angel investors and it was COVID. So I had to do it in Zoom, <laughs> you know, it was not a personal meeting. So it was like over Zoom, you never saw this uh, person before. And now you're saying like, oh, my name is Anna. I'm female founder and doing the robotics construction startup. So we're raising money. So you can just imagine how hard was it, <laughs> right? But uh, Alchemist Accelerator and other founders, they because they shared their experience and success. I was like, mm, if they can do this, uh, I should try to do this too. And uh, I was pretty successful in this, I would say. And then I realized that you never know what you're capable of until you start trying. A hundred percent. And if, if for those of <laughs> you who want to check out Alchemist Accelerator, we'll include the link in the show notes. It's Alchemist Accelerator. I'm not going to spell it out right now, but it will be in the show notes for you. <laughs> There's so many accelerators. They're so popular now. How did you choose which one was the right fit for you? Um, so that was, I spent, I think, like a two or three months in Silicon Valley, uh, basically like exploring this startup culture, how to raise money, ventures. I, I attended, I think maybe like a 50 uh, pitch events. <laughs> you know, I would say more than half of them was really like a waste of time. But at the same time, I met a lot of incredible people and I saw that startups who are doing B2B, business to business, they were part of the Alchemist Accelerator. And uh, so basically we, we, we applied uh, because we saw that it's kind of like more suitable for us because we are B2B startup. They, what we do in it there, we are technology providers for the construction companies. So they can use our technology, our robots to increase the productivity and build more homes, right? So we're not like work with the consumers or, or like the end users. And, you know, we just like, a, let's try. <laughs> we submitted the application and uh, uh, fortunately we were selected. It, it was a very high bar to, to get there. So we, we're really happy that we were selected. Did they contribute money? And did they have a fund where they contributed money as well? Or did they take equity? Yes. So they basically invest in you uh, and uh, take some equity. So uh, it's basically kind of something that typically not discussed publicly because all the time it's like a different structure with the startups. But yes, so they give you some money and they also give you the value of their educational program. And they, they yeah, they, they, they take some equity as any other uh, accelerator. This is really exciting. What is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Maybe one of the challenge was that uh, 
I'm uh, the female founder doing the really male thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the construction. <laughs> my, my mentor just launched. My mentor just launched a, uh, a an NFT. It's called like Gents Club or something, and I missed it. I didn't see it, but I'm like, oh, I want to be a part of his Gents Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I would say that it was one of the uh, uh, challenges. And also, I came to this uh, country basically with, with no connections. I didn't have, you know, I didn't study here, so I don't didn't have the network with the university, for example. So I basically just, hey, I'm Anna, I'm raising money, and we're doing this incredible thing. So it was kind of like a, a perception that I'm the female founder, and also like a just really new person here <laughs> in the room. So, yeah, I know, and I'm pretty young, right? So that time I was, I was like, a, how much? Like a 28, 27. So in 2020, yeah. So basically, yeah, I would say this was one of the challenges, but uh, that really helped me and kind of like I learned how to present yourself in a, best way and sometimes like what exactly you need to say and i came up with all of the analogies uh basically like a 3d printers that we do in it's kind of like electrical drills right so electrical drills they don't build the entire thing but it's much easier to use electrical drill to make uh like a hundred of screws rather than to use the the manual uh screwdriver right so and i i had to come up with all of this analogies uh, to describe such a pretty complex things uh, the 3D printing the, the buildings. And also, I think sometimes, like, uh, that's fine when people don't really take you, what you're saying, seriously. And I just kind of, like, you know, grow the, the, the very bigger skin, I would say. So that was a really good experience. And I also realized that there are people, there are always your people, right? You just need to keep searching. You just need to keep working and uh, improving the process. And you will find people who really will believe in you, will invest in you and will support you. Who is a must follow that you recommend? It could be a podcast, a blog, a YouTube channel, Twitter, Instagram. Who's a must follow? Um, so I, I really, so I'm fan of Elon Musk, you know, so, <laughs> so I think his content <laughs> is very unique. It's very funny, educational. So you can basically can find anything there. <laughs> so I would say you were allowed to say <laughs> Elon know? Musk. It is fine. I will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But, um, I actually like it don't really follow somebody specifically. I just really like watching everything on the Netflix, something like a documentary about the technologies or like a, you know, big ships or like a, the big buildings, build manufacturing uh, buildings or like a big factories. So I just trying to find content uh, whenever it's available, if it's really educational, inspiring and really helps me to become better professional wise. Mm. And what book do you recommend we read? So one of my favorite books, I think it's the um, Theodore Dreiser, the uh, trilogy of desire. You know, it's the about the, the trilogy um, of desire. Huh. Yeah, maybe I don't pronounce it correctly, but it's the Theor Theor Theodore Dreiser. It's oh, the, Theodore uh, you know, Dreiser. The, uh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. The trilogy 
trilogy of desire. So it's basically about the very successful businessman back to like a, uh, 1800 or something like that of course it's like the novel it's not the true story but uh th th that's really about the business and all of the stock markets and uh, you know theodore dreiser it's like a, a legendary and iconic uh, author that whenever he, he he writes it's it's perfect it's like a must to read so i think it's something that really uh influenced my perception and like knowledge and uh uh, back to when I was in university. So it's really like an early book that I read. So I think, yeah, that that's really good to uh, business uh, uh, literature and just just very good to, to read uh, just as a story. Is there a piece of advice that you've gotten that has helped, you know, accelerate you in your career? Yeah, I would say that it's, uh, it's very important to be self-aware, market-aware, and you're business aware, you know, like be conscious about yourself, your your business and market where you're doing your business in. Uh, so I would say that the most valuable advice that I have received so far. Oh, that's awesome advice. <laughs> be valuable, people, be valuable. <laughs> I am obsessed with software and mobile apps and productivity. What is your favorite website or mobile app to go to? So I actually really like using um, uh, Google Docs, you know, all of it the counts. spreadsheet, or all of the, yeah, because you can like link all of the million of documents in one one documents, like linking to everything you need. Uh, so professionally, like, uh, I use this one. Uh, we also use HubSpot, really great CRM. So you can implement all of the different stuff there, all of the automations, you can link it to your website. So yeah, I just discovered it last year then. Uh, yeah, that's a very powerful thing. But like for, for personal life, I don't know, I just use the, excessively use my iPhone <laughs> for everything I can use. But I wouldn't say that I, I found like a specific app that I so far really love. I would say that I all all the time search and search and search and all the time like I cannot be satisfied. So if you know something, just <laughs> advise well, Anna, me. you are not in trouble for saying Google Docs and saying Elon Musk. I will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah. my Dutch friend used to say that to me all the time. It was really funny. <laughs> like I'd say something and say that I will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will start implementing this. It's really fun. <laughs> I will allow it. <laughs> there was something that um, uh, was from the um, Cruella de Vil. Oh, really? No, when... I haven't seen it. Yeah, Wait, she the said new one or the old dogs. one? Uh, the, the new I want to see the, it. Uh, the... I haven't seen it, and I heard oh, you good things. To. I don't know. I was just watching this, and like, wow, that was like a complete satisfaction. You know, every second, all of the production, post production, all of the costumes, the the, the how the actors were playing their role. That, yeah, that was good. And she said it to her dogs, like. A, Oh, she said it. I allow it. I'll allow it. Oh, no. He said it funny, though. Like, I will, I will allow it. Like, you know, the tone of voice makes all the difference. Like, are you being mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Or are you being sassy? <laughs> yeah, and it's more like the court uh, room yeah, style, I right? I will allow no. it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so funny. 
And where can people connect with you? Um, so I'm more active in, on uh, LinkedIn. So basically, uh, yes, that's the best place to connect with me. And can you spell your name for everybody to find you on LinkedIn? Uh, yes. My last name is pretty complex. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but we will take the <laughs> So first name is Anna. A, N as a Nancy, N as a Nancy. Oh, that a. was so hard, Anna. And then, <laughs> I was just No, I know. You. I've traveled <laughs> a lot. A I'm ready. I'm ready for it. <laughs> okay. Then the, my last name, Chen Yuntai. So it's C, H, E, N as a Nancy, I, U, N as a Nancy, T as a Tom, A-I. Perfect. That wasn't, that wasn't bad. <laughs> I've had worse. I've had worse. So, so you know, I had a lot of practice <laughs> to spell it over the phone. <laughs> and uh, if there's one thing, we have people around the world listening. If there's one thing we could do to continue to elevate you and support you in your success, what would that be? Uh, you mentioned you're raising money. Is there, is there something specific that we could do to support you? So honestly, really just to help us <laughs> to, uh, to with our goal to raise money this year, because it's basically something that will define our ability to grow and uh, provide our technology to more construction companies, right? It's basically like a, to facilitate our ability really to change the world by providing this disruptive technology to more construction companies. So just sharing the news that we are raising and just even sharing our website. And that would be something that's really helpful. And it's it's our main focus right now. So if our company uh, succeeds, it's basically going to be the direct <laughs> help and the, the big uh, positive contribution to me personally. And the best place to check out photos of your work and to see what you're about, that's your website, right? Yeah, website, but also Instagram. I would say that basically our company Instagram, uh, AP Score 3D, and it's a lot of videos, pictures, and also the YouTube channel, uh, AP Score. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you, talk to you all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, my name is Anna Chen Yuntai. I am a CEO and founder of Episcore. We are the technology company that develops the advanced robotics technologies to 3D print full-scale houses. We're based in Melbourne, Florida, and you are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.